Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. When you think about excellence, you can't cause it. Just like you can't make a plant grow, you're not growing anything. It grows. What do you do? You set the conditions to promote the growth. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. One of the reasons excellence is so rare and elusive in our world is because it's so deeply misunderstood. Consider that you don't create excellence any more than you grow a plant. If that were so, then where is your power and influence over excellence? What orientation toward excellence is best to precipitate it? Keep listening to find out more. This episode is from a member webcast where I was teaching the live version of the Open to Excellence course. Production is currently underway to turn this into an online course, so stay tuned about that. And I'm very excited to announce the release of my ebook. Cut the bullshit. Solve your problems by getting real. It's full of direct practical advice related to getting employees engaged, hiring right the first time, how to create a culture of radical responsibility, and a lot more. For a limited time, I'm giving this ebook away for nothing. So if nothing is something that you have, go to clearandopen.com CTB to download it. That's CTB standing for Cut the Bullshit, a free ebook to reward and support my loyal listeners. Again, clearandopen.com slash CTB. I hope you like it. I'd love to hear what you think. Thanks so much for being a listener. Now let's dive into today's podcast. So there's one other piece I want to talk about before we we close this course, and that is um, back to the assessment. So we've established that the moments of greatness, the moments of excellence are not the finish line crossing moments. They're not the knockout punch moments. That's not where it happens. It happens in these subtle, small, invisible moments, these small choices or choices that seem small, but are not at all. They're not at all. And that's one of the reasons why they're hard to make is because our shadow can so easily say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. It's not that big a deal. I'll put it off tomorrow. I'll leave 10 emails in my inbox. It's not really overwhelming me. This email is good enough to send out. I won't look at it one more time. Those actually are the finish line moments. We just don't experience them as such. Those are the finish line moments. But the trick, like I said, is that you don't really know. It's not direct causality. You can't know. And the instant gratification monster that says, hey, we could leave work at 4.59 and have a couple beers before dinner. That would feel great. This finishing emptying the inbox thing, you don't know what that's going to do, really. You don't know. Boy, is that a compelling argument. Because he's right or she's right, you know? You don't know. But 
when you think about excellence, you can't cause it. You can't cause it. Just like you can't make a plant grow. Right? People talk, think about that. Oh, I grow, I've gardened, I like to grow things. But you're not growing anything. It grows. What do you do? You set the conditions to promote the growth. You provide the water and the sunlight and the good soil, good drainage, keep the pests off. It's not not work, it's work. But you're not growing anything. What if it's the same for excellence? What if it's the same for excellence? You don't actually produce it. You just set the conditions for it. So when you think about that assessment, that rigid pain in the ass assessment you saw from the very beginning about keeping your word and getting back to people within 48 hours and answering all the questions, it sort of surprised me in the beginning when people said they didn't quite get the connection between that and excellence. You showed me a blind spot I had that it wasn't until yesterday I saw where it came from. And the blind spot was that I didn't, didn't see how I connect the dots in ways that most people don't. Excellence isn't yours. The same way the growth of the tree that's under your care isn't yours. It's got its own destiny. It has its own truth. If excellence were yours, you could make it happen. Like every time. You know, when the ball is in your hand for the game-winning shot, you don't know if you're going to make that or not. You don't know. All you can do is everything that you can prior to that to set the conditions so excellence has room to express. But it's not you. It's something that either finds you, expresses through you, or not. Right? If excellence were in the finish line moment, right? You're running in the race and then you're like, okay, well, the person's just like one body length ahead of me. Going to turn on my excellence now. Going to flick that switch, right? Then it would be yours. But it's not. The zone isn't yours. You can't control it that way. It commands you, yet it obeys you, they said in Star Wars about the Force. It's some tricky kind of place. You have influence over setting conditions so it's more likely to show up. But fundamentally, you don't have control over it. We all know this. Because if we did, we'd be able to turn it on and off. Now, we see people like athletes or actors or whatever. You know, Robin Williams comes to mind. Oh, my God. You know, the greatest improv artists of, of all time. But when you hear these people talk about what they do, if you can get them to, Robin Williams had a hard time getting through any interview without actually performing, which is why he didn't live a full life. If you think about it, he was hiding behind his craft in a really tragic way, but he was a genius. When you hear people talk about this, they don't talk about it like they own it. They don't talk about it like it's them. More often you hear them talk about it like it's some kind of spiritual thing. 
something that commands you yet obeys you somehow, something that you can't quite touch. So, so the pursuit of excellence is a profound act of faith, you could say, because it's never going to be yours. It's never going to be a switch you can just turn on. Even when you get really good at it, you can make it look like you have control over it. You know, someone who's virtuoso level skill at guitar or, or martial arts or whatever, it can appear as if they can turn it on and off at will. But that's just what it looks like to people on the outside. Think about the thing that you're really good at. Is it really yours? Or is it something that you kind of just let through you? And then to turn it on, what do you do? You set conditions to allow it to come through. You don't really turn it on. You know? And our shadows hate this idea. Why? Well, because there's no control. And that sense of control all along was a kind of illusion. Right? So I sort of sold this course as like, well, here's how you become excellent. Just follow these steps. And you looked at the assessment and you went like, this is weird. It doesn't look like a finish line moment. Keeping your word and all this and that looks kind of small and difficult and maybe kind of anal or whatever. And then the punchline is, you're not in control anyway. But you earn the right to be able to let go to letting excellence have you by doing everything that you can and always racking your brain to see which, if, where and how you could do more. Thoughts about this? Boy, is this ever like the religious training I grew up in? <laughs> uh, that made a part of me very afraid. <laughs> in a good way, I hope. Well, yes. You're asking me if it was in a good way. I believe it was, yeah. yes. Now, this is the, I'm glad you brought that up because this is not to say, right, because it's a really tricky middle ground. You're not in total control of your life. That's anti-spiritual. It's arrogant. And you're not in no control of your life either. That's fatalistic. And most people will go wrong. They will sin, which comes from the Greek meaning to miss the mark. They'll miss the mark one side or the other. And it can depend on domain. Maybe they're over-responsible and over-controlling in one domain of their life and think they can make it a certain way when it's just not up to them. In another domain of their life, they're not trying hard enough. How do you know for sure? Yeah, you don't. That's the trouble. You don't. So the only way I know to resolve this is you try as hard as you can until you start getting feedback that you're trying too hard. And then you back off that trying and, and let things through. That's the movement from thrival to flow. And there are other ways, and it depends on the person and their path. My path was for sure about trying to make my life exactly what I wanted it to be. I, I found limits of thrival. I have been the Tom Cruise in the movie running full speed around. When I Now I've, I can feel when I'm pushing too hard. And I've had enough experiences 
just to, to be able to trust that things will come my way. And I think part of that's just age. You just have the experience. You, you learn what the difference is between the feeling of trying too hard and the feeling of not trying hard enough. And, and you listen because life's constantly giving you feedback. To me, that's, that's the, the best feedback there is uh, about whether you're trying too hard or, or too little. Life, just li- look around, listen for what life's telling you. You know, are your friends saying, boy, it seems like you're working really hard. You're getting that message a lot. Maybe you're trying too hard. One of the things that also relates to this is for me or something that I've observed. And so I kind of have a, a chip on my shoulder about it or a, um, well, I'll, I'll, for want of a better term, is that when people, this, my observation, I perceive from the people who you, for coming from a religious perspective who acknowledge that lack of control to me, it often expresses in, in victimhood, which to me is counterproductive. And so there's, there's a real need for balance there that I think is often lacking. And that, that bothers me. Yeah. And so the, the, absolutely, most people will use it as an excuse. In fact, is that on the list? I think it's on there somewhere. The spiritual justification, spiritual justification and deterministic, fatalistic, existential orientation. If not, do I get credit for 92? For sure. So, yeah, that's the trick. So just know, are you someone who errs on over-responsibility or someone who errs on under-responsibility? Know which way you tend to operate. And this is another great example of what groups can be for. To ask people, hey, I want X result and I'm not getting it. Show me where I'm not trying hard enough. What do you see? Ask other people, you know, are you someone who tries to force their will onto that of life or are you someone who looks to cut corners? Surprise, most people tend not to take enough responsibility. It's only the Enneagram threes and eights and sometimes ones who are the ones who usually have to back off on their will on life. But even that's not a slam dunk. Like like I said, it can depend on the domain. So that's the art. That's the art of figuring out whether you're pushing too hard. It's sort of like dancing, right, Peter? When you lead, when you dance, if you don't lead enough, they don't know where to go. But if you push too hard, they don't have the freedom to actually receive it. How do you know the difference? You got to feel it out and make 100 mistakes every 10 minutes until you don't anymore. And uh, to me, the path of excellence is finding one's relationship with life because life seems to want us to thrive. It doesn't support us sitting on the couch, just being comfortable all the time. So finding what our unique expression of excellence is, is the discovery of our own destiny, the uh, inhabitation of what life wants us to be, whatever that is, however that works. It's a inquiry into sort of uh, how we're, what, what our flower is supposed to look like in relationship to the tree we're all on. And you, you can't know what that is. You can make guesses, you can have visions, you can have inspirations about it. Is my school going to really be 500 acres and outside of Boulder? 
Or is it going to be right here in Maui? Is it going to be 10 students or is it going to be a million students? I don't know. Most of that's not up to me. You just got to stay with what you feel most deeply in your heart that, that drives you, that keeps you going, and then let life fill in the rest. And then do the little things, the little tiny heroic finish line crossing moments where there are no balloons, no anthems, no cheers, no crowds, just you and you and life. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.